Some of you I know watch the, uh, the Emmy Awards on TV. I don't watch award shows myself, but I did find out um, that there's something called the Semis. These are awards that are given by our seminaries. And I wish I had watched those because I learned after the fact that actually Pastor Bender was given a semi for that um, portrayal there. And the category was best example of overacting to make a point in a sermon video. I want to give you uh, one last chance to take the sermon poll. How many of you have done it? All right, a few of you have. We've got time for more. It's going to be most beneficial for all of us if, uh, if you'll take the time to do that. And once we get to that point in the sermon, you're not really going to have time to do it then. Um, so uh, please go ahead and, and do that. And if you don't have a smartphone, you can still, uh, when we get to that point, you can think about how you might have answered. So would you uh, complete, we're not to the poll yet, uh, complete this statement. Rules were made to be broken. What genius ever came up with that idea? Rules were not made to be broken. I think actually maybe I heard somebody say it. Rules were made to be obeyed. Why is that? Because rules were also made to be beneficial, especially God's rules, the, the Ten Commandments, others that he's given to, of course, but the Ten Commandments, the rule book that he has given to his people as they give us instructions for how we are to order our lives. Now, they do other things as well, but we're especially thinking about how they help us to order our lives today. So now we're going to go to those poll questions. The first question is, which rule have you broken most frequently? And you get choice of ten. Those are the, are the Ten Commandments up there. We summarize some of them a little bit to make them fit on the screen. So which one of those, and if you can, can participate in the poll in the next few seconds, please do so. Um, otherwise, I guess you'll just be an observer, except for you can reflect on those yourselves. And I think maybe now we can see the results of the poll. All right, uh, what's the winner here, or maybe the loser? I don't know. It looks like the one that has been broken the most frequently, the second commandment, you shall not misuse the name of God. It's not the one that I um, that I select. You want to hear which one I selected? Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> I actually did the first one, and that's, that's kind of the easy way out. Uh, because every time we decide, now sometimes we, we sin without meaning to or deciding to, but every time we decide to disobey one of the other nine commandments, we have already broken the first commandment because who have we made our God then? Ourselves, of course. All right, let's go to the second question. 
which is which rule would you like to see removed from the list? And again, it's the same choices. We're not trying to fool anybody here. And let's see the results, Mr. Reinert. All right, so far remembering the Sabbath. All right, who said that? <laughs> what else do we have? Don't give false testimony. Um, second, close second, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. I actually was one of the ones. You, you know, really, we don't want to remove any of them, do we? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> what? That was a setup, yeah. But what happens if we? What happens if we remove any of those? Well, then the way that God wants our lives to be ordered, that's not going to work that way. Now, on the other hand, I will tell you, I voted for the eighth commandment: "You shall not give false testimony," because. We've got the um, information on who voted how. And I'm just waiting to share that information. No, actually not. We don't know. That's totally anonymous, of course. But it's, it's kind of a commandment I like to break. I kind of like to share things about, about other people. And, and well, I'm not going to go into any more detail on it than that. Let's go to the, to the, to the third what motivates you to obey the rules? Now, we have three possible answers there. I don't want to be penalized for breaking the rules. I don't want to feel guilty for breaking them, or I want to say thank you for God's love. And I'm willing to see the results. A little over half of us said, and I said us there because I also said see there, the third one. I want to say thank you for God's love. Any of those actually work, don't they? I don't want to be penalized. Well, there are. We saw that in chapter 5 of the story, didn't we? There are penalties for breaking the rules. One of those penalties actually is the second one up there, a guilty conscience. And none of us likes having a guilty conscience, do we? Although, actually, that can be a good thing. If it, if it hangs on too long, no. That's why we confess our sins, because our consciences are bothering us. But then we receive absolution or forgiveness, and the Lord washes those consciences clean as he washes away our sin. But still, it's, it's not a good feeling, and, and one that I would just as soon avoid as well. The one that gets the most play in the New Testament, though, is, is the third one, and that is gratitude over um, God's love, God's um, compassion for us. That's what forgiveness is, right? And that's what makes Christianity unique, is that we experience that forgiveness in Christ Jesus, which washes away the guilt and takes away any eternal penalty for our sins, and just leaves us with a grateful heart that wants nothing more than to do God's will and to serve God's people. Okay, so thank you for your participation uh, in that. 
And uh, as time goes on, we'll figure out more and more ways to use uh, technology. Uh, you notice that we did this through something called the U version of the of the Bible. How many of you have that on on a cell phone or some other kind of device? Check that out. All right. So take the service folder home and 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 look up the uh, the address that's there, or or scan the QR code and check out that application. And if you go to actually to the poll, which you won't be able to take in it. Well, I guess you could take it, but um, they have on the bottom of the poll, they have a way for you to download the app. And of course, there's plenty of other ways to get that as well. And, and I think that you will find that a remarkably um, useful and helpful application to have. Notice how God introduces the commandments. I think this is a pretty important thing for us to recognize. What does he say there? You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, I can think of three reasons why God would have introduced the commandments this way. One of them, you, you saw what I did to Egypt, he could have, have been meaning, and I can do the same thing to you. But that's not why he said it. A second reason he could have said it could have been something like, after everything I've done for you, surely you want to do just this little thing for me. Kind of trying to coerce or guilt us into it. That's not it either. Rather, the reason that, that God said this, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, now I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself, was that he wants to give us this assurance. I love you. And you can trust me. Two sides to that point. I love you. And you can trust me to do only what's best for you. Now sometimes God takes the long view of what's best for us, doesn't he? And, and we don't always see that right away. But that's where trust comes in. He also says, a little bit further on, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You might remember from last week that uh, we said that that little word Lord equals who remembers? Ah, I heard it from my very lovely wife. And that was she was not a plant. That little word Lord simply means redeemer. That's what Luther uh, said to us. That's what we want to remember. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I am your Redeemer. He says it this way also. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and, un and, and faithfulness. What's he telling us? I love you. And you can trust me to do only what's in your best interest. Now, what's interesting is after he says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, so the one right before this, then he says, did you notice this, that it bother you at all? When he said, I'm a jealous God, and I'm punishing the children of those who hate me to the, to the third and fourth generation. Wow. I thought he loved us. 
That sounds so petty. But it is not. When we remember and when we know that God loves us and we can trust him to do only what's best for us, then we realize that that really is love language. I'm a jealous God. That's the language of love, isn't it? You're, you're not jealous of, of well, let's, let's say it this way. Suppose my wife had on her, she doesn't, in fact, she hadn't kept any of these, but suppose she had on the nightstand next to her bed a, a picture of one of the guys she dated in high school. I hate them, by the way. <laughs> How should I feel about that? I think jealous would be fair, wouldn't it? And that's what God is saying to us. All of those boyfriends and girlfriends and, and, and the gods that you had, you leave them behind. Why? You know, I'm jealous, or would be jealous of such a thing, mostly for selfish kinds of reasons. I don't think it would be sinful selfishness, but for selfish kinds of reasons. But the reason that God is jealous is he knows that when we give our love to false gods, how does that work out for us? They disappoint us and they hurt us every time. That's why he's jealous for our love. And when he says that he punishes the children for the sins of the parents of the third and fourth generation, he's not talking about, aha, now I can get them. He's really just saying how he's going to let nature take its course. What, what do we know? If, if, if there's a, a father who abuses his children, what do we know about his father? Most likely he was abusive. And what's probably going to be, be the case with, with that child when that child grows up to be a father? Most likely he's going to be abusive. It's so hard to break that cycle of sin. And that's all that God is saying here. He's warning us about the consequences of sin. And then, of course... He follows that up by saying, on the other hand, I show love, not to the third or fourth generation, notice the contrast here, to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So God prefaced the, the giving of the commandments by reminding Israel of his love for them. And then God's people respond to that by saying, some things the Lord has said we will do. Some things, is that what they said? What did they say? They said everything the Lord has said we will do. They said that right after the giving of the Ten Commandments and right before what? right before the incident with the golden calf. Okay, they meant it, they just weren't able to do it. And isn't that also the case with us? That's why we continually rejoice in God's forgiveness to us. Now, something very interesting for me anyway happened in chapter 5, and that is when Moses is told to consecrate the people. And did you notice how that happened? That was on... Uh, Page 60 of the story, chapter 5. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Why? Well, to prepare to come into the presence of God. 
Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day, abstain from sexual relations. Aren't you glad you weren't there? Why? Why did he say that? Not because there's anything wrong with sexual relations, that, that's a creation of God, right? But simply because he was to point out the, the uniqueness and the solemnity of this occasion of what was going to happen. I'd like to have a little rite of consecration with you today, and it's actually going to come in two parts. Um, one of them is a little bit from this book called the Lutheran Service Book Agenda. In this book, we have all kinds of orders of services and blessings for everything that you can imagine. A blessing of an organ at church, blessing of bells, of a baptismal font, communion vessels, paraments, vestments, a Bible for use in the church, a cross, sacred art, um, blessing of the Advent wreath. The next edition is also going to have a blessing of a video projector and electric guitar. Okay, maybe not, but, but maybe it should. This book also has in it, when we install officers of the congregation or leaders in the congregation or in our school. And there's, there's, I'm, so what I'm going to do is just read to you a Bible verse and then a part out of that, actually out of both of those ceremonies, and then I'm going to ask you to consecrate yourselves by answering. So the Bible verse is from Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, the words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. See how he, what, is, what does consecrate mean? To dedicate a person or a thing to God's service. That's what he just did to each one of us. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, what comes next? In the same way, let your... Light, shine before people. Why? So they can see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. He is dedicating us to God's service. Now here's from the agenda. I don't know if our congregational officers realize what they're going to be asked when they come up front for this the first Sunday in January. While holiness of life and obedience to Christ are expected of all members of the congregation... It's especially important that you show yourselves by word and example to be faithful to him in service and Christian devotion. Will you, trusting in God's care, seek to grow in love for those you serve, strive for excellence in your skills, and adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ with a godly life? In other words, will you be consecrated? And if you'd like to be consecrated, here's the answer. Yes, with the help of God. Yes, with the help of God. And you weren't ready, all of you, for that, so we'll give you another opportunity. Will you, trusting in God's care, seek to grow in love for those you serve, strive for excellence in your skills, and adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ with a godly life? If so, answer yes, with the help of God. Yes, with the help of God. The second part of this happens during communion. And that is, as you're standing in line for communion, as a reminder of what we just said, well, you place your hand on the shoulder of the person in front of you. This is as you're standing in line. You can let go of it as they walk uh, to, to come up here. But put your hand on the shoulder of the person in front of you. And that says two things. Number one, you are saying, you don't, you don't actually say this, but by placing your hand on their shoulder, you're saying to them, remember, you are a consecrated child of God. 
So when you feel that hand on your shoulder, that's the reminder. You are a consecrated child of God. And the second thing is, and now you actually have to do this. The second thing is, I'm praying for you. Even if I don't know who you are, all I can see is the back of your head. I'm praying for you to be able to keep your promise to God. In so doing, we consecrate each other and one another. In the name of Jesus, amen.